0: Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where each episode covers the many facets of mental health and well-being. Hello, everyone. I'm Nicolette Leanza, and on this episode of The Couch and the Screen, I'm joined by my amazing colleagues, Angel Kramer, and Laura McClure. Hello. We'll be talking with Dr. Anisha Patel Dunn about the Netflix documentary film Stuts. So welcome, Dr. Patel Dunn. Great to have you on. Good morning. Hello. Stuts is a documentary film directed by Jonah Hill that chronicles the life and career of his psychiatrist, Dr. Phil Stutz. So looking forward to see what we all thought about the documentary. So jumping in, you know, what did we all think about it? Dr. Patel Chan, would you like to start us off? Sure. So I think about
1: this as sort of uh, epitomizing, I think, what the movement we're seeing in the media over the past few years of really trying to bring what happens in the room Uh um, to sort of everybody, you know, all Americans. And I think about where that mes- that I think the fundamental message that I get from that is really supporting the destigmatization of yeah. people yeah. getting treatment for mental health. And so overall I was really happy to watch the movie and see the movie. I think as you break it down and I I know we're going to talk about that there are some some things that you know, I, I would not necessarily be, uh, promote. However, I do think overall I would, if I, if I had to say, I, I was really glad that this movie did, or this documentary, excuse me, did come out because I do think it really just puts a lot of layers to what's actually happening in treatment for people. And I really appreciated the vulnerability that was shown in the film.
0: Yeah, that da- definitely lots of vulnerability shown for sure. And who can disagree with anything that helps destigmatize mental health and therapy, right? That's a big piece right there. Angel, what did you think?
2: Uh, I, was, I was a little lukewarm in regards to it. You no, know, I, I appreciate the destigmatization of therapy and showing what's happening kind of behind the scenes. and What happens when we close our office door and making it feel a little less scary but the flow of the documentary itself really didn't maintain my attention all that well and there was just enough about it that was a little icky that kind of disconnected me from it okay fair point fair point laura what about you
3: yeah i would say i will i will preface this with i was unable to take an unbiased look at this. I was really unable to watch it from a clinician hat on. I did not like the movie. I think had it been made by anyone other than Jonah Hill or someone who has a lot of problematic abusive tendencies, I don't know if anybody else has read those really problematic texts between him and his girlfriend, but anytime he talked about all this work that he's done, I was just like, No, you haven't. And I couldn't take that lens off. And so I would preface that my dislike of this comes from a biased perception. I think also I had some issues with some of the ideas that Phil Stutz presented with not really giving ownership from where the ideas originated Uh, and mm -hmm. how he has taken them and given them his own language so that they make sense and aren't clinical to his clients. Mm -hmm. I think I saw a lot of like what I would call in the way that he talked about them kind of like stolen ideas. Like I think when he was talking about the shadow man, I'm like, well, this is parts work. This is IFS. And this has been around for quite some time. You are just explaining it in a different way. You're using different terminology of what you're calling this part. I will say on a positive note, I'll end it on a positive note. I think that this film is really great and I'm glad it was made because I think there is a whole generation of white men who will see this Mm. and identify with it and it will destigmatize mental health for that population. And I am very thankful for that. And there we go. I put a little mental health therapist (laughs) hat on at the end of that very very good and I I
0: find that I'm agreeing with all aspects of what you know Dr Patelda and Laura and angel you're all saying you know I too putting on that therapist had, had found myself cringing watching some parts of it and and angel I know you mentioned maybe didn't keep your interest kind of same here I think the first I would say three-fourths of it I was just like okay does this pick up where are we going and and then it definitely towards the end it definitely picked up a bit i i and we'll talk more about the therapeutic relationship. I mean, these two men are very close and I love that that was depicting that like giving men permission to show this kind of emotion and have this kind of intimacy. So I love that. You know, Jonah Hill, I was aware of some problematic texts and, and kind of, I think that all came out after Suts came out, Suts came out, I think in 2022. So I think this came out after, and I was kind of thinking of that, like, okay, you're saying you did all this work, but and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. don't, those stones A point, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be so harsh on one of my own clients who would be continuing let's work on it. But, you know, with him kind of saying it like, yeah, I did all this work, you know, and he's out there in the spotlight. It's it makes it easier for him to be a little bit of target with that. You know, he did do a quote early in the movie. I'm going to quote him here. I'm making this movie because I want to give therapy and the tools I've learned in therapy to as many people as possible through a film. I gotta respect that and and that is what he did for sure, so I what are our thoughts about the therapeutic relationship between Phil studs and Jonah Hill, Dr. Patel Dunn? what do you think about their relationship? I, th- I think about early on in my training,
1: one of my mentors talked about loving your patient, like love the love that 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 this and that. When I think about what resonated there, and that's always stuck with me over the years, as we all have worked with some difficult people, I'm sure in our careers, whom you not you don't necessarily that would not be the first emotion that would come to mind. But I do think as we train and over the years as we see, uh, you know, the work we do, you, I there there is there is a compassion that comes from, I think us as the clinician towards our patients. And in this movie, that that love, that bond, that compassion is really depicted quite well. You can see it in their body language and the way that they interact with one another. And, you know, although I do think, does, does their relationship in this film kind of negate their own relationship and did, did this film kind of, for the greater good of the population, maybe it impacts that relationship between the two of them, but really to show what can be done or what is done in in sort of the therapeutic relationship and therapeutic alliance. And so I think in that way, you know, really just, it, it sort of amplifies and magnifies what is, I, I think what we all try to recreate in our therapeutic relationship in the room.
0: The power of that relationship yeah. and the intimacy that will go with it too. I, I hear you, definitely.
2: Angel? Yeah. I really appreciate it seeing the therapist be so human and showing that, that that empathy and that care can and is a two-way street. You know, whether it's from the therapist's perspective, forgetting that, you know, our clients care about us too. Maybe not all of them. Some of them are just coming to work on what they're wanting to work on and then they go on their way. That's fantastic. But then there's some of us who might work with more long-term clients and they really do develop that care for us. And we develop that care for them also. You know, just saying that out loud, I can think of several people mm. who are on my caseload, who've been on my caseload. That I would absolutely say that I care for on a human level, even outside of the therapeutic relationship, because we've worked together for so Mm -hmm. long and it is only human to create that bond. So, towards the end of the film, while it felt really icky for them to say, I love you to one another, part of me was like, oh, we do love our clients and they do love us. Even if it feels a little icky to put that word on it in such a poignant way. So I really appreciated that. And I appreciated how authentic they were with one another, how how they joked with one another and kind of threw things out there. Like Stutz made an inappropriate comment about Jonah's mom at one point in time. and I cackled because (laughs) I can think of some clients who would make that joke in our sessions. (laughs) And it's completely fine. It is safe in those walls to have that openness and that authenticity. And I really enjoyed seeing that part.
3: Laura? I will say that I definitely agree in like the boundary crossing. I think, especially you see that multiple times when Jonah's like, Oh no, we're not here to talk about my issues. I'm doing a movie on you. And then it was like, he was like, Oh, do I get more therapy sessions with you? And I thought, you know, this is a beautiful relationship And I'm not sure that there's any place to judge what a therapeutic relationship looks like in terms of what kind of jokes are told because each person is different. And what we know is it's the client's perception of that relationship that is one of the big drivers of progress being made. So I wouldn't want to judge that. But what I would want to say is this looks like a relationship that at this point should be terminated in that professional manner. Because once the client is taken over, is like asking you the questions, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you have lost the dynamic that makes the relationship build progress. Because now we've crossed a dynamic into more friends we share. Yeah vulnerability with each other. And I think that that can have long-term damage on the relationship after that, that would be my take on it. But I think prior to this, it was probably a beautiful relationship that is indicative of high levels of progress and motivation for the client. Mm -hmm. But I think at that point I would be terminating that professional relationship.
0: Fair point, fair point. And I think, you know, we've each talked about kind of some of those boundary issues that we saw even, I, I agree. I wonder if it was terminated as the as they were filming, because isn't that a, a, a conflict of interest there? If you're doing a movie on your psychiatrist, are it's you definitely then looking- a dual di- relationship? Right.
3: and then right. also your therapist has a monetary like right interest in this now too.
0: Right, right. So there's some wonkiness there. I
3: also had the thought
0: of like because there was such fond of that. I mean, there's definitely a mutual, like reciprocal uh, vulnerability they both shared. Right, I, I really did like that. I think it does make you think as there was, you know, what is appropriate to share? What is appropriate to self-disclose? I think, you know, anytime we're really measured about, okay, is this for the client that I'm sharing this or is this more for me? You know, I think there's a lot of that just as therapists we're trying to sort through. But I I do think that there's just, that I I have very much fond affection for some of my own clients I've worked with forever. I would just be really hesitant to use the I love you words. Just that that's just me. And I kept thinking about Phil Setz. Is there another one of his clients that were like, Phil Stutz never told me he loved me. He doesn't like me as much as he likes Joni Hill. <laughs> so be some forth there, they'll find out there being like, dang, I don't get that kind of treatment from Phil Stutz. Jeez, so, and that's a little silly to think, but I'm sure there's probably some, some client out there thinking that, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what do we think about Phil Stutch's approach to therapy and his various teachings? And Laura, you mentioned a little bit about some of that before, about how you felt like he maybe kind of borrowed or even stole stole some of those. You want to talk a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah, I would think, well, that's what therapy is. We are using other people's evidence-based research and their ideas. That's, that's what I do as a therapist. I didn't invent CPT or mm-hmm. TFCBT you know, and some of the things that I might say, I will always, when I'm talking about like, oh, the maze or, you know, and I've coined something like this, I'll be like, this is how I describe it. You know, the idea comes from internal family systems or whatnot. And then I use my own language. And I think for me, that's the part that was missing for me is like, well, I'm seeing all these techniques, but what I'm hearing you say is I developed, I came up with, I created. And for me, well, you, really you you created the language to explain it in a way that your clients can understand and I I think for me it you know the interventions are fine I think it's what we all do different phrasing different things like that and I think the way that it was like spread out over time maybe gives like I don't know. But again, I am somebody that's like a CBT, CPT, TFCBT. I use some pretty strict modalities and I mostly do trauma work. And so for me, I'm like, well, that doesn't really, that feels like you're pulling from here and pulling from there. And it it felt more of what is that word that they call it when you're not really using like a model? Eclectic? Eclectic. Yes. It felt much more like an eclectic therapy, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes against anything and everything that I was taught within my graduate program. So I think for me, that's, those are my thoughts on it. I don't think it's neither here nor there. I think the interventions are good. They're things we all use all the time. I would just be careful about how we're presenting them on a
2: big platform like that. Okay. Angel. I agree with Laura. Uh, in our own office space, I think it would be different for us to not necessarily acknowledge the modality that we're pulling something from because most of our clients aren't going to know where it's coming from or need to know who did the research and stuff like that. But on this kind of platform to present that information as this is Phil Stutz's approach, this is his modality, and That might be a little inaccurate and a little misleading to a certain point. Another part of his approach that kind of set off some red flags for me was I believe it was towards the beginning of the documentary when he said something along the lines of, you just need to listen to what I'm telling you and do it because I can make you feel better. I can't make it right, right, But right. I can set you in the darkness until we, we start to see a light. Mm-hmm. What I did like in his approach was drawing on the post-it notes. As soon as I saw him draw, I'm like, I wish I could write and talk at the same time (laughs) because I would totally incorporate that into my session. Like, here, take this with you. (laughs) But I cannot write and talk at the same time, let alone draw (laughs) and talk at the same time.
0: No, I thought too that was a great idea the post notes for sure. Dr. Patel Dunn, your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah. So I I
1: I took it from a I didn't hear it. And so I think maybe I wasn't listening as acutely as 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 you have, maybe Laura, even in how, him saying this was mine. I think I took I took it thinking about, you know, all of us trying to meet our patients where they're at, and everyone is different. And so I think I'd lost the documentary thinking that probably impacted so many people, but for different reasons, because in his approach and his different approaches and and all that he kind of walked through, I think it resonates. some, one thing may have resonated with one person and a different thing may have resonated with Mm -hmm. someone else. And so I just think about in this, you know, confined, very thoughtful, I do think probably a lot of thought went into Mm -hmm. the making of this documentary. And so the reiteration um, that if the intent was really trying to touch lives of people and I hope the intent of just getting more people to be vulnerable and access mental health care, I, I thought his utilization of, and maybe in my mind, I'm like, Oh, that's from here. And Oh, he's taking that from here is sort of thinking about you know, just meeting meeting patients where they are, and so w- you know, with that in particular, I think he was probably trying to put together how he, over his career, meets people where they are in different ways and styles. And so, I actually really appreciated him being so vocal and sharing so much because I imagine with the length of his career, how many different people and different you know places he had has worked. In in helping people, right? I think he started his career early on was in a in the you know forensic system, and just sort of trying to figure out how to navigate that. And then
0: you know being in Los Angeles, of course, right, right, definitely in LA too. So I you know I again commenting now after I hear each of you, I might start off with one thought, but then I as I hear you guys, I'm like, okay, good point, good point. I, again. For someone to watch this and to take what they're going to take from it, right? I someone who might have never been through therapy before and 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 looks at it like, oh, is that what therapy could be? Oh, I like that. I mean, that's that's immeasurable right there. That's awesome. But then it also being de- depicted as like, okay, that's therapy, but you know, you know, there's some confines that needs to still be around there. I'm still kind of getting stuck on that part, but. I, I think his tools are good. I like the sticky note stuff, you know. I am someone though, when I'm presenting something to any of my clients, I will say, Hey, this is CBT, or hey, this is this that. I am really clear. I'll cite where I'm getting it from because part of it I'm thinking is like, hey, go check this out too. You know, go go do your own research in that. And I am very eclectic, right? Who did, who said they were trained that? Oh, okay, Laura, you're like, we're not, and it's it's funny because I was trained eclectic. I preach eclectic. I'm like, open up that tool bag and let's see which one fits the best. And meeting them where they're at and stuff like that. So, so that's all interesting. I think he had some, some good tools. I was like googling that. I mean, lots of lots of social media and all that repost a lot of his teachings and stuff like that. So I'm sure it helped a lot of people as well. So, other side note, did anyone think it was weird that Jonah Hill had to wear that wig? <laughs> So that has nothing to do with anything with didn't really need to keep that consistency. I it just seemed weird. I'm like, just keep it off, Jonah. Just looks silly. Yeah, like once he pulled it up, why did you put it back on? Right, did you Right, right, right. You just didn't have to. The gig understand. is up. So, alrighty, righty. This is a great conversation. I'm glad we all can come to the table and talk about this. And even if we had some differences in parenting, I think there's some things we also kind of met in the middle with as well. So thank you, Dr. Patel Dan for joining us. And I'm sure we'd love to have you on again sometime. Thank, thank you. you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was lovely.
0: I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman, with a special thanks to Jason Clayton, who edits our episodes. Thank you for listening to Congress from the Couch. Take care, everyone.